0: sister that Welcome to End the Zone, everybody. I'm your host Garrison Roy. Today we have a full length podcast, but other interviews um, are also out there. We do have mental minutes, deep dive, educational ones, and then just rants for me, just rambling on stuff that you know I think needs to be more just therapeutic for me, getting it off my chest. But things that I think guys probably need to hear in the baseball community. Um, but if you have any other topics or questions that you want us to go over. Uh, feel free to email those in, in the zone podcast one two three at gmail dot com, and definitely share the show here if you got anything out of it, got any value, or know someone who needs the value, uh, because I don't make any money off this, I don't run ads, this is all pure value exchange, um, and helping everyone in the baseball community get better. So, without further ado, I'll introduce Hannah Huesman to the podcast. What's going on, Hannah?
1: Hi, how are you today?
0: I'm great. So it's a little cloudy, a little rainy, but hey, it doesn't keep us from still getting things done, right?
1: Heck yeah, you better believe it. It's cloudy and rainy on my end too, so we're just here to bring a little sunshine to the day today.
0: Might as well, might as well. (laughs) Yeah, love it. Well, I've been following your uh, post really for a while. I think I first saw you on Twitter where you were putting out like mental sweat Mondays and stuff, and I was like yeah, I like this. This is good. And the consistency of it, it's great. So I was like, all right, yeah, this chick definitely knows how to instill a winning mindset to people because there's consistency and it's not just something that's out there. So I'll just commend you for that. Like what you're posting and the consistency of that, I'm sure reflects a lot with the athletes that you work with.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I think, I think you're already nailing the head is like consistency is such a hard thing to deal with and to commit to. And, I think most people don't want to commit to consistency. I think consistency is boring and challenging and mundane and all of those things. And, um, it's not easy. That's for sure. Um, and people are always like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I, I, day by day, like, you know, I have a plan to do it every day, but, um, and some days it works and some days it doesn't, but just cause it doesn't one day doesn't mean next day you can't get it done. So I think consistency is, I don't know. I hate I hate buzzwords and I hate like the secret to success. But like if I think there was a secret to success, I literally think it would be inconsistent because I believe if you know what you're doing and you do it consistently, the chances of you achieving it are pretty likely or they're a whole lot higher than if you weren't being consistent. So um yeah, consistency, huge, huge.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's just part of putting in the work, right? Like you can't expect and I say this repetitively all the time on the podcast, there's no magic bullet, whether it's yeah. drills or mobility stuff or even the mental side of things even though it can be a game changer for a lot of people it's never just that one thing it's a combination of everything brought together
1: totally and i think a lot of times people are looking for like the tip or the trick or whatever and it's like it's actually nothing about a a trick or one tip or one secret. It's actually like putting in the work and training all of it. Um, So I hate hate to break it to anybody who's hoping to like hear the secret of success. Like the secret of success is hard work consistently and um, being willing to do that on days you don't want to do it, um, which is really hard and most people don't do it. And so if you can do it, you're already setting yourself up for success versus the person who's not going to do it on the days they don't feel like doing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this ties over into a recent post that you actually just put out where it was on uh, discipline versus like tricking your brain. Mm-hmm. I'll let you kind of speak on that a little bit and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think one time I was talking to an athlete and they were like, Hannah, like, I just got to trick my mind into believing this. And at first I was like, yeah, okay. And and then I thought about it and it's I was like, you know, what's the point in tricking ourselves, right? If you think about what the definition of like to trick yourself means, it's like deception, right? You're deceiving yourself. You're almost lying to yourself or almost like cheating yourself out of something. It's like, I'm going to pretend like it's not as bad as it actually is. Um, Instead of tricking, like, what if we actually were programming, right? If like, instead of pretending like this isn't hard, like, no, this is hard and that's why I'm doing this. And that's why I want to get through this. And so it's not denying what's right in front of you, um, instead, it's creating awareness and realism on what is right in front of you and then deciding to do it anyways. And I just think tricking is so like superficial and
0: short term yeah, like, by any means no Totally.
1: Way. versus like if we actually like program and get to the bottom of it, we're not just like changing something that moment, we're changing something about who we are, the way we go about it. It's like the bottom of the iceberg is what I talk about a lot. Like uh, everybody sees the top of the iceberg, but like, what about all the stuff that goes on be- beneath it? And like, if you're just trying to do something for this quick hitter, like little motivation piece right here, maybe that's useful, but longevity, like how 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 much is that actually impacting one, who you are and two, who you are as a performer. Um, so I don't think anything worth having or worth getting or worth accomplishing happens quickly. So it's like, stop trying to trick yourself. You're not, you're not trying to trick your body into being healthy, right? No, you're going, you're eating healthy, you're working out, you're doing yoga, you're moving, whatever those things are. So stop thinking you have to trick your brain into being healthy. Instead, like let's actually program it and put in the work. Like if your brain's off, then you got to do some work, right? And and yeah. there's no one video, one podcast, one anything you can listen to that's going to help like completely redefine that. It might spark ideas and create awareness around what your weaknesses are, um, but you got to do some work. You got You got to get deep on that.
0: Absolutely. On well, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with just having a uh, systems in place and allowing that growth to happen within that system. Um, okay. So for example, those who've listened to the podcast know that I did uh, 75 hard earlier this year. So I went through and did all that. And then I had a few times where I was like, Hey, like I didn't hit those consistent markers where I had to drink that gallon of water or I had to mm-hmm. hit all these other things. Right. And it's a mental grind for you to be able to go through and do that. But for you to still choose and go do the training or go, you know, do that workout or that walk run outside, even in days where it doesn't like days like today where it's wet and rainy, like you still got to go out and do it. Um, And that is, is really kind of the name of the game is like, Hey, if you're not trying to grow yourself each day and you, like you said, it may never be an direct upward trend. And I, I get that a lot from guys who are trying to improve velocity or help you know whether it's weight gain or weight loss, like it's never going to be strictly linear.
1: Totally, and and I think that's hard, right? Is and I face those challenges too, specifically with working out. Like I know I'm I'm better at everything I do when I'm working out on a consistent basis. I have more energy. I'm, I'm I love myself more. All this stuff, but even like say I like crush a week's worth of workouts, and then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh. I haven't seen anything like it's like so tempting that Monday morning to be like, yeah, it's not even worth it versus like if I stop now, it's going to go downhill faster than it's going to go uphill. And so that's kind of my reminder to me is like, even if you don't see it, keep going. And I think. Well, of course, we live in a world where we want immediate gratification. We yeah, want to yeah. results as soon as possible, which is fine. You just have to be careful not getting sucked into that every second of every day. Like, it's like, hey, I did a podcast once. So, number two, better be a lot better. And it's like, it might be a little better, but it's not, it might not be like night and day better. And, and it's like, how can you measure these tiny little amounts of success? And like, I can't, if I look really hard, whether it's at how I feel or what I feel like I look like, I can find the tiny thing where I'm like, "Mm, maybe that would have been worse off had I have not worked out this week versus Mm -hmm. like this holistic, it's either good or bad. Well, hold on. Like, what is that? Like, why are we making it to extremes? What if it's just like, okay, we're not really great. We're not really bad at something. We're kind of okay. So like, let's keep pushing towards making it great. And I've, I I learned a long time ago, you'll never regret a workout when it's over. And like every time after a workout, when I didn't want to do it, I'm, that pops into my head every single time. And I'm like, why does this always reign true? And so again, I think it's checking your feelings and like, no, I don't really feel like it, or I'm not really seeing the results yet. It's like, well, if I haven't spent a ton of time doing it, then I'm not supposed to see these massive results yet. And that's, again, going back to like hitting yourself with the facts. And like, I can't argue with that. Hannah, you haven't been working out for three months. What do you expect to see? Three months worth of improvement in three days? like that's unrealistic. So it's like, okay, what's three, maybe I get on the treadmill and I'm not as tired as I was three days ago, which does happen. And that is true. And so I'm like, okay, cardiovascularly, we're getting better, whatever it is, but it's, it's such a mind game and it's so easy to fall into those traps of, man, I'm just not going to do it. Or I just don't feel like it, or I'm not really seeing an improvement. Maybe I'm not doing something right instead of just again, going back to the drawing board and being consistent in what, and what you want to do.
0: Absolutely. I think there's, this is something I wrote down, uh, the other day, I was listening to uh, Ed Milet. I don't know if you are familiar with any of his stuff.
1: Yeah, a uh, little like, bit. Like,
0: hey, like you got to be willing to have um, a mindset where even if you don't see the progress, you're you're still able to continue to go mm-hmm. for. Like, those are what people have um, in common who are great at something, not just good but great. And he used this awesome analogy where it was like, all right, like if we were to empty Lake Michigan. How long would it take for us to refill it? And you may have heard this before. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how long would it take you to refill and you just go one cup per day, but then, you know, you exponentially grow it each single day. How long would it take you to refill Lake Michigan? And it, he said it would take 50 years just for the surface to get damp all the way around. Right. And then 60 years, it would get to be more like puddles. 70 years it starts to accumulate a little bit more, but the where the most of the filling happens in the lake is the last five years. Mm. And I just looked at that, I was like, okay, all right, so this is this is a long game thing, like, you even if you're doing it for however many long hours, or in this case, years, right? Like, you got to be able to still be okay without seeing the progress. But there, I think there is a, a little bit of a tug of war to that too. It's like, okay, like, even if you're not seeing progress, you still need to kind of evaluate and be like, all right, is this working? Or am I just kind of like throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks?
2: Skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about a company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance... We get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one size fits all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at Inksportsperformance.com, And also, just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take, right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes, and if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, like 100%, like in it for the long game, like, I remind myself that of like all the time, because it's like, even in your job, and when you're working with people, you want things you want to see shifts happening immediately. And sometimes it takes a long time. And, and maybe the hard part is one, you not knowing when that's actually going to happen, like how long is the long game? Um, and then two, I think what people can use as excuses when it comes to the long game is like, say I have been working on something for two weeks and I'm not seeing the results I want Then I need to shift the way I'm doing it. And it's like, well, have you actually given yourself enough time for what you're doing to make a change or to make an impact in those two weeks? Or is it, does it take longer for whatever it is that you're trying to do? And so it's almost like people bailing on their plan too soon. Um, and then people, have you seen that little Cartoon where the guy's like digging and there's two Mm -hmm. tunnels, right? And the guy's digging and he's almost there and then he turns around versus the guy who keeps digging and they never know when they're going to hit the diamonds or whatever. And the guy's like one stroke away from getting there. And it's, I think, I think about that a lot. And I also think of the story of like when you're chopping down a tree, like Mm -hmm. you have an axe, right? And you're chopping it down. Whoever has the axe and they're chopping down the tree, they don't necessarily know how many hacks it's going to take to get the tree down. Maybe they have a general idea. And like, I don't know if it's going to be the next one or the next seven or the next 70 that are going to knock it down. And it's like, we always, we have a saying like, keep chopping, like keep chopping, whatever you're doing, it, as long as you believe what you're doing and, and you're headed on the right path, which chances are, I would say you are, if you've like evaluated clearly and you know what your goal is and and what the path is to get there right if, if not then that's obviously a whole nother thing but if you know you're doing the right thing that's just a matter of keep chopping every day and and like hopefully the tree's gonna fall one day we just might not know when when that day's gonna be which is hard because we want to know when the end date is we want how long is it going to take to get this and it's like maybe we can't put a number on that like are you willing to commit if you don't know when you're going to achieve it are you willing to commit for however long that is? And like, I think that's a scary question. Like, even when I think about it for myself, it's like, I mean.
0: How long are you going to put your head down? Yeah, Right. A
1: couple years, maybe. What if it's 10 years? Like, I don't know what it is. And, and so, but it's are, how bad do you want it? I guess. How bad do you want it? So.
0: That's it. Well, you, you got to have that process oriented uh, driver. It's like, all right. Like, yeah, the end goal is great, but I also have to be more in love with the actual process of doing things.
1: Yeah. But you hit
0: hit on a good point there. I think early on where before that you said, are you doing something long enough to actually see the results before you make a switch? And I've seen that as a common trend, especially in the private sector with a lot of guys, well, they'll go like, try this for a few weeks or do this for a couple off seasons. And then they'll be like, okay, I'm just going to hop to the next thing and then try this out. Right. Like, so they don't give it enough time. Um, I typically say like, Hey, give it, you know, roughly 60 to 90 days, if it's something physiological, um, you know, where you're waiting for some mobility adaptations to happen, things like that. But I think the mental game, you can definitely shorten that learning curve a lot, um, especially when it comes to, you know, anchoring certain uh, things or overcoming certain negative thought process. Obviously, it will take time. But um, what is what has your experience been? Obviously, each guy's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but Do you have like a a, maybe a specific timeline where it's like, hey, like if we do this for 21 days, we do this for this amount of days or, you know, like I mentioned, 75 hard is like, cool, you're doing this for basically three months. Like what's your, um, I guess, thought process with that?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a strict number on anything. I, th- I think I've heard um, 60 to 90 days is what it creates to break and start a new habit. Um, so, if anything, I'd say probably in that ballpark framework. But to me, it's kind of more about whatever it is you're trying to do. If we can create better awareness, create better coping mechanisms, better emotional control, then I can almost guarantee whatever you're trying to achieve, we can achieve it faster. Um, because you're not just going through the motions. You're not just going through practice mindlessly, right? You're more in the present moment. You're more aware of what you're doing. You can adjust faster. Um, you can realize when you're doing something that's hurting you instead of helping you. Um, so to me, I think, and this is, this is what I think is really cool about mental and physical performance and working together and that bridge that make them connect is, One makes the other one better and stronger. Instead of working on them both separately, like, okay, great, go work on your physical strength, go work on your mental strength over here. What if you can do it simultaneously? Like, what if while you're working out, you become very aware of what your negative self talk is and you work Mm -hmm. on fixing that? And then right after your workout, you do some journaling to process what you actually did and and where your mind was at through that. Um, And so I, I think to me, that's the biggest thing. If you compare those two things, if you compare mental practice with physical practice, I think you're going to end up with better results faster just because if you're doing mental preparation right, mental practice right, you are going to be more resilient. You're going to be more in the present moment. You're going to be more aware. You're going to be able to adjust faster. There's so many benefits to having your mind work for you instead of that thing that's holding you back. Like even when we said like, on the days when you don't feel like doing it, if your mind if you're working on your mindset, you're gonna overcome that and you're gonna do it anyway. Mm-hmm. If you're not working on your mindset, you're probably not gonna work out that day because you're like,, ah, I just don't feel like it, okay, well, physically I don't feel like it and then physically I'm not gonna do it versus maybe physically, I don't feel like it, but mentally, I know I need to do it. let's work through this, and then chances are you're gonna go and and get through it and do it and not miss that day, which in the long run is gonna add up and take off time off the end. so I think that would be my biggest. Number game um, point would just be keep doing it and add mental performance into what you're doing. Um, yeah, you
0: can't compartmentalize. Not going to hurt you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and, and that's something that I've come to realize probably over the past six months is like I've always thought, oh, hey, like meditation is like this one like block of time where you have like ten minutes a day mm-hmm. or this, and I was like, no, like I can actually put this into everyday situations where like I feel like I'm getting anxious you know, having a conversation with someone or something else, you know, later on down the line or, Hey, I'm like getting ready to do a transaction at a, at a counter. And I'm like, for some reason, feeling nervous because I'm doing that. And I'm like, okay, Hey, like, I need to focus on my breathing here, like relax, drop down and just be more present and not let my head ramble about all these other things. Or, you know, especially for a pitcher, right? Like, uh, if, if he's already thinking about three, four, five, six pitches ahead of time versus the actual pitch or, you know, f- a funny one that I can think of is like, oh, hey, we know that this guy who's on deck is like an absolute stud. But, you know, you lose track of the actual bat and then you end up walking that guy. And then when he gets in, that's when, you know, crap hits the fan, so to speak, because totally. you, you weren't present on that, that one specific pitch.
1: Totally. And not only being present, but also being aware that you weren't present. And like, how long are you letting that affect you? And how soon can you shut it down when it's when you realize, Oh, shoot, I'm not where I need to be shut it down. Um, versus Wow, I didn't even know that's what I was thinking. And the season's over, you know, and you could do nothing about it, because you had a lack of awareness. That's it. I usually almost everything I talk about comes back to awareness. Um, I think it's the foundational mental skill. If you don't, I always say, if you don't know, you can't grow. Like if, if we don't know what's going on upstairs, there's no way, like I like to think I can read your mind sometimes and maybe sometimes I can, but if you don't know what's going on up there, nobody's gonna be able to help you, at least not with a mental side of things. Like if you don't realize you're talking really negative, if you don't realize you panic on X situation, if you don't realize that you're thinking about the future instead of the present or the past instead of the present, it's gonna be really, really hard for anybody to help you grow from that or or even yourself to help from go from that. So step one for me is always, find awareness. Like, what are you thinking? When are you thinking it? And what are the consequences of that thought? Um, those are always a really good, really good place to start.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so let's say a guy is kind of struggling with that. And I would say, we'll just use that same example of a pitcher. He's here, he's constantly thinking about this or like, he's getting behind in the count. So he's already still stuck on the pitches that he threw beforehand. And then that causes him to, to walk the guy and he has that emotion attached to the, the poor performance of the guy that he walked before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always talked about like anchors where you need to find something to kind of hone yourself back in and bring you back to that mental state. Um, But I know you probably have a lot more detail on this. So how would you, or how have you in the past worked with an athlete? You don't have to name names, Uh, that might have been struggling with that to help kind of reel them back in?
1: Yeah, so for me, I think this starts before you get on the mound. Um, You have to talk about your weaknesses and maybe the things that are going to knock you off your path what you know, the things are going to knock you off your path. So if somebody hits a home run off of you, is that going to knock you off your path? If you walk a guy, is that going to walk you off your path? If somebody gets a bloop hit off of you, is that going to knock you? If if an infielder makes an error, is that going to knock you off? If the coaches, if somebody starts warming up the bullpen, is that going to knock, right? It's step one for me is creating awareness around what are the potential things that are going to create this negative thought process or this downward spiral process for you. Let's go ahead and figure out what's going to trigger you in that moment. And then let's start coming up with, I don't know, two to three ways of you to cope with things in the heat of that moment. And, and maybe making them a little bit broad so that if anything happens, you'll have a couple coping mechanisms in your back pocket. We can always talk about filling up your toolbox so that whenever you need it, you've got something you can use. Um, and then coming up with two or three strategies for you to use to get over anything when you feel like... Maybe you're going from a green light to a yellow light or a red light and things are just going out haywire. What are you going to do? It could be it could be um, a pre-pitch routine. It could be getting off the mound, taking a deep breath, having a reset focal point. It could be a cue word. It could be um, visualizing something you um, performing successfully. Um, It could be a mantra. It could be how you carry yourself. It could be going and talking to the catcher. It could be. I don't know, reconnecting with second base, shortstop, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, so basically it's, it's individualized to everybody. And so you have to figure out if you need to be happy and in a good mood or in a bad mood or quieter, whatever mood you need to be in, how do I get to those moments whenever something's going awry? So like, do I need to pump myself up more? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to sing a song? Like, And that's where kind of the variety is all over the place on what you're going to do. But I think the biggest piece is knowing that just creating awareness that it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And what are your thunder? What is your lightning? Like what's going to come in and, and try to knock you off your game? And then what are two or three ways that I'll keep you sane? And guess what? Like maybe sometimes those work like, ch- like perfect and maybe sometimes they don't. Maybe you're just, you just don't have it that day. And like, sometimes that just happens. And it's also having that plan for what are you going to do when you've thrown everything out there and nothing's working? What's your, we call it our ocean oh plan, right? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when when nothing that you've been practicing, nothing you've been working, mechanics are off timing, everything's just off. What are you going to do? Um, because I think those days happen every now and then too. And instead of panicking, we're going to be like, okay, here's our plan for, for when that happens. So I, um, uh, I think a lot of the stress and pressure will immediately decrease just by talking about the potential things that are going to happen and having a plan in place. So that, that way, when they're faced, it's like, Hey, you have a plan to handle this Mm -hmm. instead of straight panic when something happens and you're not prepared. It's almost like going into a test, right? When you're prepared, you feel good. You're like, come on, bring it on. I'm I'm up for anything. When you're not, you're petrified even just looking at the first question. And Mm -hmm. so we're trying to create this confidence of maybe not, confidence that I'm always going to be perfect and, and pitch perfectly or hit perfectly. But I do have confidence in myself to be able to handle whatever's going to get thrown at me, um, yeah. to the best of my ability that day. And I think that's, I think that's a cool place for confidence to lie.
0: You got to learn how to adapt and adjust because baseball is always very unpredictable. Totally. So how to go, go with the flow on that. Um, well, I, I kind of want to touch on, you know, I, I really loved what you mentioned about, having those coping mechanisms and that how you listed all those out as far as like having those uh, mantras or um you know certain things where they're reconnecting with guys on the field or they for me it was like looking at the rawlings symbol on my glove so i was like all right cool yeah big deep breath boom right i'm back i'm centered and focused again um but and this is something that i'm kind of r- recalling from what you've posted where you know it's okay to actually have those emotions. Maybe it's just like, oh, self-doubt or fear or, you know, whatever it is. But I think where people get in trouble is they let those emotions command what they do versus it just being kind of commentary in their head. Mm. What's your Mm. what's your thoughts with that as far as, um, you know, you're addressing like, hey, it's okay to have these emotions. But where do you go once you do have those emotions?
1: Yeah um I think that's a really good question. Um I think it's a two-parter for me. One is acceptance. Um I think our brains are naturally really negative. It's actually called the negativity bias and anyone listening can look it up. It's it's a real thing. It's um where our ancestors basically were trained to notice the bad and the dangerous. Like that's how they had to survive and um, where our brains are wired the same way our brains literally have one purpose and one purpose only and that's to survive right our brain is telling our body constantly how to survive right if if, if we get too hot we start to sweat right our brain tells our body hey we're gonna do hot like start sweating or vice versa when we get too cold your brain starts to shiver you get goosebumps right and it's like all the blood comes to your inner extremity so so you're like gonna survive longer and i think we tend to forget that and when we do scary things or we do maybe risky things because sports are risky, right? Especially baseball, high chance of failure, which our brain interprets as risk, right? If <laughs> if you're playing baseball, chances are you're probably not running away from a bear very often, right? Or like you're not in war. You're not, you're not fighting, you're not doing anything that's actually going to kill you, or something that's dangerous in in when it comes to life and death. But the reality of it is maybe the most scary thing you're faced with is Striking out um, or walking somebody as a pitcher or somebody hitting a home run or getting embarrassed or letting your teammates down, letting your family down, letting yourself down, whatever it is. So while we may not be in a life or death situation, that might be the scariest thing we deal with. And so our brain heightens that. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to put a spotlight on anything that's dangerous, scary. Uh, your brain's like, hey, yellow flag, yellow flag, you're going to fail here. You might fail here. Or you better run away. You better run away. And so I think the first part is just accepting that that's what our brain is going to do always. Like always from from, <laughs> from little league to the big leagues, right? We are full of negative thoughts. And it's it's, again, it's not really trying to pretend like they aren't there it's almost like how do we accept them know that they're going to come like right once again like creating awareness on the situations and then maybe it's creating awareness on what are my reactions to those situations and then what are the responses to that reaction that I want to create so I might not be able to change my initial reaction to that failure or that setback or that challenge but I can control the response to my reaction. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. like an example, um, I talk about all the time is, have you ever, um, driven over a big body of water on a bridge? It's like a massive bridge over a big ocean or something. And it's like, what's, what's one of the first thoughts you have in your head? And people usually laugh. They're like, you know, I hope the bridge doesn't collapse. Or what if my car flies off of this thing? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. like the most extreme thing. And it's like, everybody starts laughing, but like, that's the reality. And then you start kind of talking to yourself like no it's fine if it was dangerous it'd be closed like i trust the engineers who built this i'm just gonna go slow a little bit like stay over here whatever it is and so it's it's that's the perfect situation right you you were faced with quote-unquote adversity or not even faced with adversity but your mind creates the adversity or the challenge or the fear and then you have to find a way to respond respond to it and then overcome that fear and That's not easy, but that is mental performance to a T. Like if you can do that, that's going to separate you from the guy next to you who's freaking out at the smallest things or loses their emotions at the smallest things or can't get it back. And so for me, again, it comes back to creating awareness, maybe accepting it and then having a few things in your back pocket that can talk you through whatever crazy situation or challenge or failure that you're going through.
0: Yeah, talk yourself through it. Our biggest thing that I tell athletes is like, hey, recall a time where you were just absolutely dominant, Mm -hmm. and recall all those five senses. Like, what did you hear? What did you smell? What did you taste? If you really did taste anything, or maybe you had, you know, sunflower seeds, bubble gum in your mouth. Who knows? Um, But you like, you know, you recall those things, and your 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 brain helps you actually pull that more into the present moment. I think. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would say. Even, even adding like thinking about a time where you got out of a tough situation too. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and you're like, you've overcome it before. You can overcome it again. You're going to be fine. So find a way to get out of it. I think that's helpful too.
0: Absolutely. It's spot on. Really good there. I think there is a really um, good frame of mind there too, where you mentioned like, how do you respond? And I think it's really important to differentiate reacting versus responding. Mm-hmm. um, Where, you know, it's, some guys are just like, oh, I don't know. I just grabbed it and threw it and I didn't, I didn't know what happened. Or, oh, yeah, I, I didn't really try to get my emotions in check. I just like went with the flow. And there's certain like reflexive things that like athletes are going to do in the, in the midst of the heat of the situation. But I think learning how to take a step back or like, oh, hey, you, yeah, you just walked the guy. Okay, cool. Are you going to react and then like go to the next batter and just, let yourself spiral out and try to throw it harder or whatever it is, or are you going to respond, take a deep breath, take a step back, you know, recall that situation where you're like, okay, I've walked a guy before and I've gotten out of it. This is how I'm going to uh, attack this guy. You know? Yeah. I think those are two very different mindsets.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, again, I think sometimes we can't necessarily control how we react sometimes um, but w- when it comes down like mechanics and being able to react quickly, I do think you can control like the prep work to doing that. like so you make the right reactions. Mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to like mentality and and mental performance, I think you can't necessarily control your reactions, but you can always control your response to the reaction. Um, and that's where the training comes in. Like literally, that's where training and discipline and and um knowing yourself and knowing what you need and then knowing how to give it to yourself um in in a Maybe it's a 10-second span, right? You might not have a ton of time to process that. And I think that's where it goes even more of an elite skill is when you could do that, but do it quickly and efficiently. Um, I think that's a big time separator. If you can flush it, right? Everybody can flush it game to game. Everybody is okay mm-hmm. at flushing it inning to inning, but can you flush it pitch to pitch?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that's, that's an elite level skill.
0: Well, and that's what differentiates the good from the great right there. Yeah. And the consistent... Guys who can do it year after year, at bat after at bat, not just have these little streaky moments.
1: Totally, and and I would add to that, like completely letting go of the results, <laughs> which is really hard. Um, yeah. And I'm still I'm still learning how certain people are really naturally good at that, and how some people really have to work hard at that. Um, but this combination of like I am prepared, I've prepared, I've done everything I possibly can for this exact moment. I'm going to do my best. I know what my plan is. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to respond accordingly. I am in a great headspace and physical space to perform my best. And with that, I'm okay with, Yeah. yeah, it's like, I'm okay with the outcome that comes with that because I also know part of this game is failing majority of the time. And so it's like, if I'm coming up here and like unrealistically thinking, I'm going to get a hit every single time. Even though, do I want to get a hit every single time? Absolutely, of course. But I also know it's unrealistic. What I do, what I can do every single time is stick to my plan, know what I'm focusing on, have that narrowed external focus, whatever those things are. And as long as I do all of those, I'm giving myself the best chance to succeed versus worrying too much about trying to succeed or trying to get a hit instead of focusing on the things I can actually control. That will, eventually lead me to getting a hit. Um, So it's kind of cool when you focus on the things, you know, you can control and your plan and you execute it. It's a lot easier to swallow the pill of failure Mm -hmm. or the loss. It was like, Hey, I did everything I could like hats off to him or this guy got a great catch or next time it's my pitch, like um, whatever it is, like then you respond accordingly, but you're still okay with your plan because you did everything you could to create success. And that's hard. Like that's a hard pill to continuously swallow, especially like if you're in a slump, which if you watch any amount of baseball, the best of the best go through slumps. So if you think you're any different than that, come tell them your secrets and why aren't you in the big leagues already? You know what I mean? So it's, you know, you're going to face that too. So knowing yourself and knowing that that's part of it is important too, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All the, all the high level players that I've uh, come across and spoke with they. That's what they think is like the the big differentiator. Where they don't let the highs let them get too high or the lows yeah. get them too low. Like you're you want to stay more more even kiltered, more you know calm, cool, and collected.
1: Totally, which is not easy.
0: It um, is not easy.
1: A lot easier said than done, especially in a game that's like full of emotions. And yeah, it's like on one hand we want you to have emotions, but um can you limit the emotions? Right? Like or or have your peak emotion for about one minute and then bring it back down versus like have your peak emotion for the rest of the night. Right. And then you come in, you're exhausted the next day because you've been just destroying your head about whatever it is. It's like, how do we minimize the extremes? Cause sometimes they happen and that's okay. And like frustration happens and I'm honestly not opposed to it. Right. We're not saying bottle in the emotion we're saying to, um, put a limit on it if possible, like a healthy limit. And, and usually people who are over emotional, they'll tell you, yeah, I need to lock it in a little bit. Anyway, it's, it's going from being productive and and feels good to like, now it's just a wine fest and I'm crying and annoyed and only hurting myself. So it's like, at what point does the um, emotion go from Actual helping and processing what's going on to okay this is this is kind of starting to hurt my performance so that's an important question I have people ask themselves a lot too is is what I'm doing helping me or is it hurting me Um, and that's a a usually um, pretty
0: good that's a good indicator
1: indicator of of a self checking indicator right self self um, evaluating indicator of what's going on and and you need to stop or you need to keep doing what you're doing
0: yeah hundred percent. I, I think a, a really common trend that I've seen over the course of the years uh, as the games progressed is a lot of old school guys, if you want to call them old school guys, like, I think they've suppressed a lot of that emotion where they thought that they were supposed to like, just act a certain way or just go with the flow yeah. and not like express any emotion really. And now people are starting to express more of that emotion, good and bad, right? Or like, you know, guys are bat flipping and, you know, all mm-hmm. that good stuff, like, which you know all for it but you know there there is a point where i think you know it can be too much or like yeah yeah, you want to enjoy the moment and let those emotions late um you know and if you realize you've gone too far then you can respond and be like okay hey let me reach out to this pitcher like sorry for showing you up like that i just got like the heat of the moment or the emotions got the best of me or whatever um but what what would you say to a guy who maybe, I guess it would be two different athletes, an athlete who suppresses everything, which is, I honestly think that's kind of where I was. I just like, didn't say anything or didn't do anything. Yeah. And then a guy who's like overly emotional, um, you know, yeah. so I guess you kind of already touched on the guys overly emotional. It's like, Hey, I got to lock it in. But for yeah. a guy who suppresses that emotion, um, would you want to encourage them to kind of like celebrate things a little bit more? or How would they uh, go about that?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think I would want to explore a little bit with that player of why are you emotionless? Like, have you been taught to be emotionless? Is that who you are as a person? Are you really emotion as a person and really emotionless as a baseball player? Like, are there differentiating factors between who you are as a person and who you are as a player? And then also, I just want to know why. And, And if they think that by being emotionless, that's when they're going to be their best and perform their best. Then I might not change anything um, if they think that holds them back. Um, because it's interesting, like I haven't met a ton of guys who are emotionless, but there are a few. And I feel like most of the time that's their like claim to fame. That's their like, that's how I stay even keeled. And and I think I'm just challenging that of like, but you're not bottling anything up, right? I guess there's a difference, right? Are you even keeled in your handling? Right. Or if you're actually bottling stuff up, then we have to find some good outlets for you to be able to get that emotion out in a healthy way. Whether that's talking to a mental performance coach, talking to a teammate that you trust, talking to a coach that you trust, talking to a significant other parent, whoever, that you're like, I just gotta let this out. And maybe they do. Maybe they come to you and they're like, hey, I just don't let anybody else see it. But when I go home, I'm like beating myself up or I process it this way. As long as they have a way to process it, I'm okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would rather them be a little less like emotionless than too overly emotional. Um, but I think it's just you want to make sure that person has a good way of processing whatever it is that they're going through. And it just may not be right in front of you. So I would just explore deeper. And then if they aren't, if they aren't um expressing any of their frustrations and they're just bottling it up, then I would encourage them to like teach them the benefit of, okay, you know, what happens if you bottle things up, like it's only going to get worse and it's all going to explode. And you're actually not helping yourself get better by pretending like it's not happening. Right. Going back to the beginning of this conversation, it was like you have to be aware of what's going on and and maybe they don't even know what's going on either. Sometimes that's where a lack of emotion and process comes into or total avoidance. Mm -hmm. So um, I would push them towards feeling those emotions in a really healthy way. Um, unless, like, unless there's something really dangerous going on or deep going on and they they may need mental health help or, or whatever, whatever comes up. Um, but definitely not good to hold it in. And then I guess, um, for the guy who's overly emotional, I would just say, what, how do you think this is, is impacting the people around you? And, and one, do you think, do you think this is helping you? Like by being super emotional, is this helping you? And he might say, yeah, I got to get it out. Um, and then it can, and then it's a question of how do you think this is impacting your teammates? And if it's impacting their teammates and their coaches and the people around them in a negative way, then it's a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting of like, Hey, this isn't just your experiences. You're on a team and you showing your butt out here doing this or doing this or showing up your picture. Like, isn't it, isn't an acceptable form of being a good teammate. So you got to find a way to lock it in. And so for that person, it's like, I want to say it's okay to have emotions but you got to have them within these constraints, right? Like you can do these things, but you can't, these are unacceptable. Like if you're going to throw your hands up when your pitcher gives up a home run, that's unacceptable. Cause he could throw his hands up when you make an error, you know, it's like, we're all, we're not going to be perfect. And so, um, unless you are perfect because let me know if you are right. And then mm, yeah,
0: yeah. not
1: perfect. Um, but it's almost just like, we don't want to, we don't want to change the person for who they naturally are, but I think it's okay to say, Hey, be who you are, but like, here are the guardrails. Like if you go too far this way, it's a bad human or a bad teammate, right? And if you go too far this way, it's whatever it is, you know, just, and like creating awareness because they may not realize the impact they're having on the people around them. And I think that's where mental performance coaches or any kind of coach, can step in and help create that awareness on, like, hey, you might feel good when you show this emotion, but your teammates don't like it, your coaches don't like it, it's disrespectful, whatever, and and kind of building that awareness around around those emotions and and the impact totally. it's having on people around you.
0: It's like an awareness of accountability almost, where the coaches just totally. like on you out. They're like, hey, I don't know totally. if you realize this, but like this is reality right now. Like this is what what we're dealing with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I think just kind of going back on the, the suppression side, I think to for those who are listening, I think journaling really helped me out a lot to kind of unpack a lot of that bottled up stuff um, to kind of get to the bottom like, okay, hey, like, why am I having these feelings? Or sometimes I didn't even really know how to express the feelings that I was like bottling up. I was like, why am I feeling this way? And then I started writing it down. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. There's that. That's that's a new one or, Oh, I didn't realize I was having that emotion, you know? So, um, definitely, you know, that, that is a healthy way of doing it. Um, what other suggestions would you offer that are like, you know, whether it's sitting down, like focusing on like deep breathing, meditational stuff, um, what, what other tools do you think are really effective, uh, for, for the listeners?
1: Yeah, I think, I think journaling is great. Um, I think just like a daily check-in too. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, how am I feeling? Where am I at today? Um, Am am I happy with the performance that I did today? And you don't even necessarily have to write it down. It's almost just like a daily check in with yourself. Um, I think if you're usually pretty stressed and have um, like high anxiety and high nerves, I think um, any practice of like mindfulness um, or meditation is great um, for just decreasing and like slowing down. Um, that also gets you off your phone um because if you're on your phone all day every day, that's not helpful for your anxiousness and, and stress. Um, so um finding ways to slow down are big, too for me. Like go on a walk, like get off your phone, go play outside. like spend time with your friends. like, get off your phone. Can I say get off your phone enough? Um, I think I think that's super helpful, too. Um and then maybe, Like even adding to like getting off screens is like watch them or not watch a movie, but like read a book one time, like, you know, like find a really good book that you hear a lot of people talking about and read it. Like, who knows? You might pick up reading. Um, I think it's just slowing down is a really big piece um, that helps mental performance in all aspects, slow down on drivings. Because if you do that, you're also helping yourself get into the present moment and, If there's one thing I would tell everybody to do, it's to practice getting into the present moment, like a thousand reps a day. Like if you're going to work out and do a thousand push push-ups every day, do a thousand reps of getting into the present moment. And you can do that by putting your phone down, by slowing down when you drive, by um, being in the conversation that you're actually in, by not doing 15 things at once, like do one thing and focus only on that one thing for like one minute. And you'll realize how actually hard that is but you have an elite advantage over others if you're in the present moment and they're not. Um, But the problem is the world we live in is trying to pull us out of the present moment constantly. So Mm -hmm. you have to constantly be trying to pull yourself back into it. So Google ways to get into the present moment, find ways to get into the present moment, get off your phone. Um, That would be the thing I said, do the most. And um, journaling is a great way to get into the present moment too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Well, Hannah, do you have any other... uh... Since we already talked about, it, there are no tips or tricks or anything, but mm-hmm. do you have any, anything that, uh, like resources or books, since you mentioned getting off your phone, I think that's a, a good way to just kind of plug like, Hey, is there a book or maybe some other, uh, if they are not physically on their phone, but they can still maybe listen to something other than this podcast, shameless yeah, plug. Um, yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah. I think a really good book to start is called The Champion's Mind by Jim mm-hmm.
0: Um.
1: It's just a really good um, broad spectrum of a lot of different concepts for mental performance. And he has a lot of cool stories and analogies on how it can impact you. And, and just when you're reading books about mental performance, like just because there's a chapter on confidence doesn't mean you might need help with confidence or humility or whatever it is. And so it's like, read it almost just as like, an awareness builder, right? Okay. Chapter on confidence. Oh, I feel pretty good about that. Great. You don't need to focus on it as much right now, but maybe the, the talk on self-talk is when you're going to highlight and really think about and, and try to make it your own. That's what I would do as far mm-hmm. as like any kind of mental performance books, because sometimes they can be overwhelming and sometimes we can create more of a mess than what was actually in there just because we get overwhelmed. And now all of a sudden we want to practice all the mental skills when the reality of it is like, there's probably only one or two, maybe three that you need to work on. And it's like, Again, create awareness around what those are and then attack those weaknesses.
0: Love it. Attack it. Yeah. Can't get better at it if you're not attacking it and doing something every single day to chop away at it.
1: Totally. 100%. Love it. Love it.
0: Yeah. How else can uh, the listeners reach out to you, see some stuff? Obviously, tune in to her Mental Sweat Monday uh, posts and and, um, outreach there. But uh, how else can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm on pretty much all social medias. Um, Twitter is Hannah underscore Hughesman. Instagram is Hannah Hughesman. I'm on LinkedIn too. So uh, feel free to reach out on any of those. But yeah, I'm there on all social medias.
0: There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for those of you listening, appreciate you tuning in and stay in the zone.